This is Agronomy Moment. I'm Wendell Cohen. Welcome everybody. Today we're going to talk about fertility, um, phosphorus and potassium. Um, I think it's a topic that um, we need to talk about just a little bit as, we, yeah. as it relates to what's going on in the soil and a little bit of maybe some of the why, what's and how's of it. So once again, quick disclaimer, as always, um, I recommend testing anything new idea in small increments. This is not a Rex for your own farm. Um, please call and talk to your professional, talk to us about it before you move forward. With that being said, phosphorus and potassium, there's not a lot of new things that have happened in the last, what, 50, 60 some years. It's not a, a lot that's happened with uh, the nutrients per se, but we'll get into kind of what's changed a little bit with yes. genetics and and why that looks a little bit different. Yes, there is a few things that, that have changed slightly, but nothing major. We're still dealing with the same nutrients. Macronutrients yes. haven't changed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Phosphorus, um, let's talk a little bit about this. Yep, so uh, this goes a little bit of back to the genetics that briefly, um, that the removal rates haven't changed very much. And as you can see on the bullet points, uh, then and now is, is, is hardly changed very much. And then especially with soybeans, we're, we're kind of looking at the same thing, but really what is, what is driving is our yield potentials. Our yield potentials have yes. dramatically increased since obviously, you know, we're looking from 1955 and 60 to 2017, but that's just really interesting. And to see how much potential we have. For and yield. I think that sometimes, uh, you know, we, we might forget the, the potential that we have and where we yep. where we came from. Well, it's you know we're become slightly more efficient with nutrients, but with that being said, we have way more biomass, far more plant structure out there, and ultimately we're seeing you know yields are just compounded into the new age of of uh, technology as it relates to genetics and breeding and, yeah. and breeding practices in corn especially, but even soybeans. I mean, look at twenty three in nineteen sixty. To 49 in 2017. Yeah. I mean, you think about, you know, phosphorus, we, we tend to think that, uh, or know that our corn crop is going to require more than our bean crops going to yes. require. And, and, you know, obviously you can definitely see between 15 to 60 pounds, it's really changed. Yes. But, you know, even in soybeans, it's, it's really interesting to see the change that, that has come with that, that also, yes. just because the biomass that we, that we have with the soybeans and in, in today's technology. Yep. And then let's talk a little bit here about phosphorus as it relates to what it does in the soil. So now we're going to talk about the what. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, talk a little bit about phosphorus uptake early. Yeah, so um, just really with probably any nutrient, we're going to see pretty flat growth or, yes. or pretty flat uptake early yes. uh, because we're feeding off that, in, in corn we're feeding off that endosperm and uh, you, you know, you usually see that V6 to V10 growth stage in corn, you know, everything just, yep. it needs more of everything at that point because it doesn't have that endosperm and it has a more established root system. And that to Wendell's point is why we see that 
you know, wrap it up take is, is now we're talking about a more established root system, a more established plant to be able to better get to those nutrients and the soil. Yep. And, um, so as we go forward, there's other things that are challenges too, you know, water, clay, clay layers, soil type, pH, all that is challenging how much it's going to be able to take up. So just increasing that, um, interception points of having layers of phosphorus available mm-hmm. to that plant so the small root system can take it. One thing I thought was interesting, I just kind of went and found some mm-hmm. things of what how it relates to the plant itself, what phosphorus does. You know, it's a vital part of DNA, mm-hmm. which is the plant's memory. It's part of RNA, which is a memory reader. It reads what's happened. It's part of its energy makeup. It promotes, you know, uniformity, strength of its roots, mm-hmm. resistance to disease. You know, if you're at critical levels and we start getting cold where growth is not prolific um that's when you start seeing your plant stunting your limited roots and in soybeans you'll see a nitrogen fixation loss yep and so and then the last thing to me is 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 also critical is it takes on more disease yeah so you put that in the we were talking a little bit earlier about this i think wendell puts it in a pretty good uh tells a pretty good story about it you know if you're feeding your kid or if you're not feeding your kid, your, your child is not gonna, probably going to be healthy to take on, have a healthier immune system and things yes. like that. Think about that kind of like a plant. Um, if it doesn't have its uh, nutrients there, it doesn't have its its system to be able to have a full, full on healthy plant to be able to yes. to counter disease, to counter environmental conditions and other other things that are going to be thrown at it at a really, um, you know, con- could potentially be a pretty quick period and at a very crucial stage, a growth stage as far as yes. it's just small. And, you know, you got a small yep. plant and having those nutrients there is really going to help set that plant up for success. In a perfect world, I think you could be at critical levels and have a good crop. Um, when we run into challenges, though, is we know there's going to be disease challenges. Mm-hmm. We know there's going to be that. And that's what starts to really push on that plant. Let's talk about potassium just a little bit. Again, I'm just throwing up another slide here of some of the slight changes have been made in recent years on the efficiency of modern hybrids and varieties. Yeah, now we can see a little bit more uh, of a difference from the phosphorus conversation that uh, potassium is really, yes. really kind of a little bit of a of different animal there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> more efficient uh, uptake um, between both crops. Uh, then and now removal rates, you know, we can see between corn and soybeans that both of them have changed um, quite a bit more than yes. uh, comparing to, to the phosphorus. So. so potassium per, per, you know, per bushel, it has fell down. So that's good news. I mean, it means you're more efficient and means we're raising higher yields. It takes less per bushel. But we still have to be aware that the bushel differences are so different yep. from where they used to be. So while the efficiencies are greater, so is the demand. Yep. You know, so it, is our potential. I don't think anybody would consider a 42 bushel per acre corn crop to be a success. <laughs> and <laughs> it like was last year. <laughs> well, yes, but it yeah. wasn't considered a success like in They're 19... Right. I don't think 1955 that that was necessarily looked at as right. a bad thing. It was just that that was the oh, average. Yep. So that is a lot different to 177. And I'm saying even here in southwest Missouri, 177 in a decent year is very attainable. Oh, yeah. And so these are realistic numbers if you're seeing yields on your yield monitor. Absolutely, and 50, uh, 40 and 50 bushel yes. beans, you know, that's very attainable. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, potassium, what it is, um, talk a little bit again. I don't know if they need to touch on that much as far as its uptake. It's once again, fairly flat. Yeah, I think in potassium, we'll probably see a little quicker. Um, we see that uh, plant want to take up in that in that scenario, they're going to be corn, but yes. we see that plant wanting to take that up a little, probably a little quicker than, yep. than phosphorus. A little um, steeper demand. Yep. Yep. But again, really, it gets really steep there once uh, we start talking about that V6 growth stage. Yeah. This one here has um, the challenges of water a little bit, you know, mobility from K has, relates to water somewhat. So you're going to see it being a little more mobile. Um, Therefore, too much, too little water mm -hmm. can affect its uptake. Yeah. Um, potassium, essential, and basically every plant process. So. Yeah, it's and you know especially think about that on the soybean side of things, because um, because beans are going to be a kind of more driver for or need more potassium than than yeah. our than our corn crop does. But nonetheless, important to have it out there for both to help with drought tolerance, um, to help with water loss. It's going to help translocate our sugars. And uh, of course, it's going to increase, help the root growth as well. Yes. Um, that's where you'll see plants will take on spread disease, lodge, water loss goes up. Yep. Potassium, doesn't it control the stoma? Help, helps with how fast the plant can shut down in a hot weather yep. and loss of water. Yep. So optimize management. So now what do we do about the process? I think that um, kind of going really far back, we have to have, have a foundation and our foundation is probably going to be our soil sample. So yes. having a soil sample to know where we're at in our soil properties and what kind of fertility pHs we're dealing with, our CECs is the most, one of the yes. most important things. Uh, that's how we're going to build our plans. That's how we're going to determine how much we need to build our soil. If yes. we do need to build our soil, do we need to correct our pH? Yes. All of that is, is going to help us with our, especially our P and K applications, yes. uh, because that's where we're going to see our, you know, our bigger dryer applications coming and yep. um, having those out there for vital processes in the plant's life cycle. Yes. Um, Timing far as in season, not viable really i mean right like it just takes a little time for it to make contact with soil and explain the mm -hmm. process of why you can't just go and do a rescue yeah so it's going to take time for phosphorus and potassium to break down to where it's plant available for uh corn and corn and soybeans or really any plant for that matter but uh it's it's not like we think of as a nitrogen it's yes. not as mobile in the soil so we don't have that um we, we're relying on mineralization to happen for, for the phosphorus and potassium to become plant available yep. and uh, to have that continuous soil cycle there uh, for those plants to be able for them to take it up. So it's, yes. it's unfortunately, you know, we can't, we see a potassium deficiency in, or a phosphorus deficiency and we look out or we see the outer leaf, uh, yes. leaf blades of the soybean and we're, we're seeing that yellowing, you know, we can't just, you know, go out there mm -hmm. and throw some, uh, nutrient yeah you can't just go out there and do yeah. that unfortunately now uh, you know in season potentially you could you could take a take a foliar take yes. leaves and get a foliar test tissue test done and maybe that's a situation where you can see that we're a little bit low on our macros and um maybe a foliar yes. you know uh foliar feed or foliar nutrition yep. 
could potentially benefit or help the efficiency with that plant uh, yeah. uptake some of those nutrients. And let's talk a little bit on annual versus biannual. I know sometimes it is a, a practice in which, you know, you fertilize extra for corn and then there can be sufficient level is the hope for soybeans. There's a little bit of, what's your thoughts on applications like that? Yeah, obviously whatever is going to be best for your operation, whatever yeah. is going to be best for the bottom line and the return on investment there is, yeah. is, is what's going to work for you. But uh, I like to see that that risk spread a little bit over the course of both rotations. Yes. And the idea there is that you're putting what that crop needs there and going kind of, you know, assessing further, further on. Uh, a lot of the problem is, as we get into, you can get um, in low CEC soils, if you got some sandier soils or something like that, yep. your, your metals are going to tie up your phosphorus, especially. So um, if, if you do fertilize extra and you, you know, yes. put a lot of extra out there, there's no guarantee um, and there's no guarantee anyways, but yes. there's, you know, really no more guarantee risk. that, yeah, more risk, like you said, Wendell, um, with fertil fertilizing that extra that you might not have that phosphorus avail yes. availability because your metals are going to start tying up in those lower CECs and pHs and things like that. So really just a lot of things to think about and knowing your soil properties, knowing yep. what your soil, soil is capable of and where you stand yep. before you just make a decision, Adopt a practice decision to go out there yeah. and throw all your P and K out and, yep. you know, not really knowing where you're standing. If one sees a lot of variability across your field uh, or in, in cases like here in Southwest Missouri, where you do have a lot of variability and you're not positive, um, it seems like annually can reduce some risk there of the tie up because mm -hmm. you help, you're making another touch point with fresh fertilizer at more times to help introduce some, a new cycle yep. in the, you talked about mineralization. You're introducing another fresh layer into the mineralization process. Yeah. We talk about kind of like a no-till situation where we don't, we're mm -hmm. not overturning that we've got, you know, we probably have a little bit higher organic matter. Yes. Um, we're going to have a little bit higher, probably mineralization rates because we have more organic matter helping that process. Yes. So we're going to have that continuous cycle of, of yes. phosphorus, potassium, breaking down the soil, other nutrients. Yes. Uh, to help those crops. Yeah. So hopefully these points here have been helpful to you, um, our listener. We wanted to touch on this real briefly just to keep this in front of us um, as we go forward that we don't forget our common, boring parts of the farming and needs that our crop needs, but they're really vital and important and a little bit of the why behind. Absolutely. Thank you for watching. If you have any questions, reach out anytime. 7684-5301 or reach out to your local agronomist. See ya. Everyone, thank you for joining us today on Agronomy Moment, a Top Ag Services production. If you want alerts on what we are finding in the field, go to topagservices.com forward slash signups to receive alerts or subscribe to our YouTube channel our goal to bring you the most recent and advanced information possible. If you have any questions or feedback, feel free to reach out to us anytime. We also ask you that you give us a like and follow our channel wherever you listen to your podcasts or watch these videos. This ultimately helps us reach more people like you.
Hey, this has been Wendell Cohen, your show host. Thank you to all who made this show possible. This show is over. See ya.